0: Hello and welcome to Delving to Draft. My name is Craig and I'm one of your hosts. Joining me this week is... Steve! This is episode 8. Now, let's quickly do a round-up of how to get in touch with us. Our main protocol is delvingintodraft.tumblr.com. We're on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash delvingintodraft. Our email address is delvingintodraft at gmail.com. And finally, I'm personally on Twitter as ravak underscore, R-A-V-A-K underscore. Right, in the news this week, there were two Grand Prix's last weekend, Nagoya in Japan and Toronto in Canada. Nagoya was standard format and Yuji Okita took that down. Whereas in Toronto it was modern format, and Willie Adel took that down. Uh, you may recognise Willie Adel's name because he has—he was top eight in the Pro Tour, and he's been getting in a couple of GP top eights recently. So I think this is his first Grand Prix. So congratulations to him. Um, there was a huge article on uh, the Wizards website this week about Premier Play changes. So. I'm going to bullet point this, but I'm also going to attach the URL somewhere or other so you can have a look yourself. But, in short, there are going to be 45 Grand Prix in 2013. Now, they've been distributed according to how many people play in tournaments based on the locations. So, I think like 60% of the Grand Prix are going to be in North America. Um, I can't quite remember how the breakdown goes at other places, but this is apparently based on how many players are actually playing in tournaments or something along those lines. Anyways. Prime Titan is going to be the new promo card for the first half of the year, which starts with Grand Prix Indianapolis at the end of the month, because 2013 apparently starts on the 22nd of December. Another change, the top eight at Grand Prix's, which have more than 1,200 players, everyone in the top eight will receive a Pro Tour invitation and airfare. I believe previously it was just the top four. Uh, Likewise, um, there's another change for top eights, but in Pro Tour qualifiers, anyone getting into the top eight of Pro Tour qualifier will now get an exclusive playmat And I think the one you're going to see um, most recently is the one with Gideon and the Angel from Boros, whose name I've totally forgotten on it. Looking cool. Also, if you win a PTQ, you now get 1,000 Planeswalker points. Now, you may not care about Planeswalker points, but you get enough of them, you get buys of GPs. And 1,000 Planeswalker points automatically give you two buys of GP, and it allows you, like, you're only short 500 to get three buys of the GPs. So that's good, because previously... If you wanted PTQ, you can play anymore, and that meant you'd kinda of lost out on all these big planeswalker point events. So this is sort of fixed to that. Steve, would you yes. like me to run through all forty-five Grand Prix locations or shall I just leave it for folks at home to read?
1: Oh well, um uh... No, I think you should just leave that one, Craig.
0: Oh thank God for that. Some <laughs> of them are unpronounceable. Some of them are completely unpronounceable. <laughs> Okay, then we shall move on to our first regular feature.
1: Ooh. Oh, name that card. I still don't
0: have uh, any music for it, so no, no dudes. <laughs> so at the moment, I'm 4-2 ahead. We're playing best of seven, I think, or until the be- end was, of the year.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Maybe I think we'll go till the end of the year, Craig. Th- this they is what are saying the new regular feature. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh um, well, we'll you set by then, won't we? Uh y- next year? Yeah. No. But we're not Oh man. February for <laughs> Gate
0: Crash. However We're gonna run out of cards, man. However, here's another little piece of news. Do you wanna know when the Gate Crash preview starts? Yes. December the thirty first. Oh, Nice. So quite literally just before the end of the year We're going to start seeing preview cards for Gatecrash
1: Cool, I had seen some up on the web Kicking about, there was pictures of foils But I'm not sure how authentic they were
0: Yes, Maybe. I've seen there were five foils uh, MTG Salvation I believe has the spoiler for that Yeah, yeah they're all mythic And they're all foil Yeah well, Who knows, we'll, we will find out in time Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, back to name that card. Steve, you can go first. Cause if you trick me, <laughs> that would be rough.
1: Would I be, would, would it be so mean to trick you? Yes. I was actually be really tempted to, uh, give you like a German card or something. <laughs> I said, nobody should turn around like a Craig. <laughs> but I thought, nah, better not. Okay. So, this card, Craig. Is a return to Ravnica card? Okay. And it's a two-one. Um. Okay. Okay.
0: You don't, you don't want to guess already, do you? <laughs>
1: well, I was going to see what you were going to say to that.
0: Uh, okay. I would. I would say Dryad Militant.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, convert
1: mana cost is two.
0: Okay. Well, I no longer say that then.
1: Two-one for two mana. Oh.
0: Okay. Um, Crossway Courier. Nope. Okay. Keep going.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now this is where it gets tricky. Okay. He has
0: Regenerate. 2-1 with Regenerate. The Grim Rouse is about to 1-1. Hmm. Okay. Carry on. He has Trample. A 2-1 regenerate and trample in return to Ravnica.
1: In return to Ravnica.
0: Huh. I can't think of anything off the top of my head.
1: Okay. Do you want a flavour text? Yeah, go on. Okay. He lurks in the undercity, eager for the corpse haulers to unload their rotting cargo.
0: He waits in the under- oh, oh. Uh, it's not the Corpse Jack Menace. Nope. No. Hmm.
1: I'm stumped. <laughs> Again, superb. I... There's, I think there's one more piece of information I can give. Did I give you Converted mana cost? You told me it was... Yeah, Converted mana cost was two. Okay, there's another piece of information in the text box, but what I'll do is I'll give you the colours. He is... Black and green. Okay, so he's... Uh, yeah, I was thinking Golgari, and it's at a
0: 2-1 with trample. I
1: cannot think. Do the last piece out of the textbooks? I guess so. This might be the clincher. it has got scavenge. No, it doesn't. Okay. Discard a creature card. Put a plus one, plus one counter on. Name of card. Oh, I come can't. on, Drake. Come I on. can't! I can't! Uh... <laughs> No, what? it's... Okay. Creature type? Zombie troll?
0: The lot left troll.
1: Yay! Oh,
0: it's because I haven't... I haven't seen a lot left troll. This is why I can't... Mm. That's my That's my reason. I'm going with that. Because <laughs> I haven't seen a lot left troll in the wild. I haven't played against one. I haven't... I don't <laughs> own one. <laughs> I hate to bump into one in the wild. <laughs> you know what I mean. I haven't played against one. And I haven't played with one. And I haven't opened one, so...
1: In a dark alley. Oh. Yay. I should have maybe given you the rarity at some point in there. That maybe would have helped.
0: Probably not. Still can't think of it.
1: <laughs> so all I've got to do is get this right, Craig. All I've got to do is get this right.
0: Yes. Hmm. See, I was thinking you were going to trick me, so I looked up our new Phyrexian card, but now I guess I'll play fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a new Phyrexian card. I mean, you can go for that if you want.
0: Okay, I'll take it. Why not? Okay, so this is from Euphorexia. Okay. Okay, it is a five-six.
1: Oh, is it red? you want to know its color, <laughs> or do you just <laughs> want to know if it's red? <laughs> I'm trying to think of five-sixes. Oh God, Euphorexia. Yep, Euphorbia. I'm going to need more. I'm going to need more, Craig.
0: Okay. Um, it's a two draw.
1: 2 mana 5, 6
0: A 2 mana 5, 6 which sounds pretty good as
1: far as I'm concerned hmm sounds like it's going kind to of have a hefty downside Uh oh is it the artifact creature that you put equipments on and it can't attack unless it's equipped oh what's that called oh no I know what it is it's the Mere Sephirion is that what it is? Mere it, superior?
0: It, it is the mere superior. Yes! boom. And of course, the drawback yeah. is spend only mana produced by creatures to cast it.
1: Yeah, I got there. I got there. Yeah. I, I, I
0: had no idea how likely it was for you to get this because I never played New yeah. Fricks, yeah, But
1: yeah, we played quite a lot of New Fricks, yeah.
0: Oh well, that it was well... a while
1: ago. It was a while ago.
0: So um, four three then.
1: Yay!
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I'll get to you next time. (laughs) 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 Gadget. Right, let's move on to our group topic. So, this was one of the group topics suggested to us, and it is the last picks of a pack. Ooh! Because it's it's easy, potentially, at the beginning of a draft, when you open your first booster and you see that bomb card, you almost don't have to look at the rest of the pack. Your pick is almost chosen for you. If you happen to uh, open Jace then you kind of take Jace, and it's kind of chosen for you. I mean, maybe there's another strong card in it, but then you're just choosing from two cards. And it's not very hard which one you're wanting to go for. And then even as you go through picks two and three and four, you're probably trying to cement your position. Uh You know, if you open Jace, and you're starting to look for really good, strong blue cards, or blue-white cards, or blue-red cards, depending on what your particular strategy is. And you kind of have to pick... The Annihilating Fire, you see, or the Dead Reveller, or the Trestle Troll. You kind of, these, these early picks are sort of forced upon you. Unless you want to be completely and really random and just take the Drainpipe Vermin over Raska, but then you're, you're not, pro- you're probably not winning and we're probably not talking to you because you're doing something completely off the scale. <laughs> but once you get further into your picks, um, This is where you have a lot more options, because it isn't so clearly defined what you're going to do, and the opportunity loss isn't quite so grand. Again, if you take the Drainpipe Vermin over Raska, you're losing a lot of power, a lot of defining your deck, potentially signalling as well. But when it comes later in, and you're you're Azorius, and you're looking, do I want my Armoury Guard, or do I want an Inaction Junction? The difference between those two cards is a lot slimmer, and this is where you get a lot more freedom to explore what you want to do. So there's a few different parts to this, so we'll just take it step by step. So, as I say, your first few picks are kind of defined for you. You take Raska, you take the Tresotrol, Troll, you take the Dreg Mangler... You take other cards which are in your colours, ideally what you wouldn't be playing, strong, powerful cards which are going to win you the game. But as you get later into your picks, these cards dry up generally, unless the colour is really wide open. And then you've got to start making these, not necessarily subpar, but mediocre things which you just need. And one of the car- one of the things you're looking for in the last picks of a pack is filling out your curve. Because if you are just picking up tons of really powerful creatures, and they're all high mana cost, well, if you just keep trying to do that through all three picks, you're going to be doing nothing for the first five, six turns of the game while the Rakdos deck is running you over. So one of the things you need to look out for once you get nearer the end is to fill out your curve.
1: Yeah, I think another thing you've got to be really aware of is where your curve's at. For the sort of deck you're playing. So like a really aggressive deck needs a lot of action at the beginning of the game. And a more controlling deck needs a, a different type of curve. You know, it needs to have a lot of end game, but it needs to be able to deal with el- early threats. So I think, you know, when talking about filling out your curve, it's, it's good to be, a, be aware of what your curve should look like. You know, like within your plan anyway. Whatever your plan is, make sure you know What your plan is. That's what I'm saying here, Craig. Yeah, I
0: mean, you you may be tempted to go, of course, in aspects of the pack, again, because you have this freedom. Like, maybe you want to be a really quick, aggressive Rakdos deck, and then you see Terrace Worm. It's big, and it's fat, and it'll beat in huge, but it's not what you're going for in Rakdos. Rakdos is about being very quick, cheap creatures, lots of creatures. Terrace Worm is... Sure, you're gonna see it in the last picks of the pack, but it's not what you're specifically going for. Yeah. So yeah, be aware of what your curve is and what your deck is trying to do.
1: Another thing on that, it's really easy to fall into the trap of having too many cards at a particular point. So you're looking you're saying to yourself, right, I'm Rakdos, I need a lot of two and three drops. You need a lot of two and three drops, so you're picking away quite happily. And then you look at what you've actually picked and you've got like an entire deck made of three drops and you've maybe not got as many two drops, you've not got anything happening on like uh, later on in your deck. So when you're faced with a choice, you're going to want to favour the cards which, uh, well, we're talking about filling the gap, but you might be offered something which is another three drop, which isn't necessarily any better than any three drops you already have, but you're saying to yourself, well, I want three drops. But in actual fact, you don't, because you've already got a load of them, you know? So it's just a case of being careful with uh, your curve as well, I suppose. Yeah, it's about
0: making your curve... It's it's building your curve the way you need it to be built, not just suddenly going, I need three dot drops, and then suddenly you have a massive spike of three, and that's not a curve, that's just Mount Everest. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing you're going to have to look at, because, I, I mean, this this... Sometimes this does just come back to the whole fact that your early picks are somewhat chosen for you. You may be picking up really powerful spells. You get Cyclonic Rift, Bluster Skull, Teleportal, uh, Pyro Convergence. This is exactly what Izzo wants to do. But then you start looking and you're going, where's my creatures? And, so, and this is where, again... You need to start looking at filling out just creatures, because sometimes you go a bit crazy and you get all oh, the removal or something like that, or all oh, the auras, which are really powerful, you know, your Pursuit of Flights and your Deviant Glees. But then, if you've got nothing to put them on, what are they doing? So, <laughs> i have to
1: say, I don't mind it if I get a deck that's all removal, Craig. <laughs> I mean, a deck which has re- well all
0: removal without any burn. I mean, if we're talking about having burn as well, that's potentially okay, but if all your things are doing is destroy target X and Y, then your goal is to deck them.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. If you had 100% spells which don't actually kill your opponent, then I suppose so, but having a high percentage of removal isn't bad. I wouldn't be complaining about it.
0: Well, th- this is true, but again, you're probably not seeing Stab Wound come round as your 11th pick. Or if you true? are, dear Lord, what is the table doing? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so again, this is where it's—you need to look for if you have enough creatures, and again, creatures are part of your curve. Like you got to have spells along your curve, and you need to have creatures along your curve. So again, this is just where you're filling out creatures and where you need them.
1: Mm. Would,
0: you, would you agree, or, or do you think you can get away with?
1: Um, I think it really depends on the, on on the spells you've got. Because, like like I say, if you've got a ton of removal and you can just say, well, I'm not playing creatures to kill your creatures, I'm just going to play spells and bash on, you know? Because, like, you can just trade one for one with removal if you've got tons of it.
0: <laughs> I suppose this is true, yeah. So after you've, you've got your curve sorted out, you've got enough creatures. One thing a lot of people just forget about is they have a sideboard. And there are some cards you don't want to be running main deck, like uh, Sundering Growth, sure, it does populate, but if you don't have any enchantments or artifacts to target, you're not going to take it at all. But this is where you need to start thinking about sideboard cards. Now, I'm not sure if Return to Ravnica has as many sideboard cards as, say, I felt Innistrad and Dark Ascension did, but sideboard cards are an important part of your deck. I mean, you're going to be using your sideboard in games 2 and 3 of every match. That's at least 50% of your games if you're doing 2 or o two. 2 ideally not o two. 2 if you're going to three games, then your cyborg cards are more and more important, and again, even though you don't want running the main deck, you can't ignore the power of cyber cards like naturalized sometimes just deals with the things you otherwise can't deal with in your deck and Because other people you know are obviously building up their main bo- their their main deck first, cyber cards go late, and this is where you need to be clued into them because they go somewhere in the middle of the pack generally, the later end of the middle of the pack, and if you're not quite clued up on that, you need sideboard cards, this, you're just going to miss them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Ravnica's got a lot of sideboard cards which are answers to specific problems within the set, and they're not obvious sideboard cards like, you know, Sundering Growth, your typical kind of destroy enchantments, and he either goes in your deck if he's got enchantments or not. That's your kind of, you're quite an obvious kind of sideboard card, uh, another one would be Aerial Predation Is one that people would jump over Your opponent's either got flyers or he doesn't So Aerial Predation is like a sideboard card that would come around late But I mean there's other ones which are answers to specific things in in the format Like Electricary are usually considered to be a sideboard card And comes in against you know certain decks or certain types of creatures Just ones that can get killed by Electricary usually or, like, Mind Rot is usually a sideboard card if I'm playing a black-based deck, and if I'm playing against any sort of deck that's running a lot of, so, sort of, uh, disruption effects itself, or a lot of counter spells, or anything which isn't trying to rush me out, I'll usually bring, bring in a Mind Drop against them. And there's, you know, there's quite a few, uh, other cards like that within the set which aren't really powerful enough by themselves, like, uh, I suppose Cremate, Would be a specific spell, which may be in your sideboard and comes in against maybe a Golgari player. You know, there's a a few sideboard cards in there which which don't scream sideboard card, but definitely come round late anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, sideboard cards are potentially uh, emphasised by the fact they're quite narrow in their focus. But just because a card is narrow doesn't make it bad, because sometimes it's exactly what you want to do. Sometimes you just need to exile the card from his graveyard so he can't scavenge. I mean, don't be unaware of how powerful these cards can be in the right situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like to pick up a... You know, it's one of my favourite... I think it's got to be my favourite card this set. But I like to pick up a Psychic Spiral, just in case I come across a mill deck. You know, so they're milling you down to your last cards, and you're like, ah, oh, right back at you, buddy. <laughs> From the sideboard. Yay. Yep. Another thing, uh,
0: this potentially ties back to signalling, is you, you've you been taking your picks, and maybe it hasn't been stellar. Maybe you opened Worm, uh, Spine Worm, and you couldn't really take that. So you took some sort of mediocre uncommon. Maybe you end up taking a key rune, and then your next few picks are somewhat... You've got a sort of Azorist thing going on, but you don't really have a to detain. It's just sort of white cards and blue cards, and so maybe they're not really synergizing well. And sometimes, here is where you need to give yourself some breathing room. So maybe you've been thinking, right, I want to be white and blue, but you've got you know eight, nine picks in. You're kind of going, well, I don't really have anything which makes this white and blue deck an Azorist deck. It's not detaining. It's not really flying. It's just sort of Doing nothing. And this is where, because again, the opportunity loss isn't as grand, you can start looking at other colours to go into, because maybe you see, like, a Dredge Beetle, and you're like, okay, Dredge Beetle isn't the best card, but if I take that, then I'm, and then suddenly I just see Celesnia cards, then at least I'm one card closer to having a Selesnian deck. And if I don't end up playing it, then I'm just one card, you know, I've just lost, say, a Train Caracal instead. I mean, frankly, I'd take the Dredge Peter the Train Caracal any day, because I'm not playing Train Caracal. But the point is, you're just trying to give yourself some breathing room uh, later on, just in case you need to end up going in another colour, or you end up playing three colours, even if, ideally, you don't want to.
1: Yeah, I'm a great one for keeping, keeping options open, Craig. I do enjoy it. You don't have to commit too early in Ravnica, I don't think. You know, uh, unless you're forcing... If you're trying to force a particular strategy then uh, I'm a great one for keeping options open.
0: <laughs> yeah, because even if you in the first pack are really going just for the the white-blue, sometimes white ends up being your splash in your Izzet deck, sometimes blue ends up being your splash in your Selesnya deck. Sometimes it goes really well in an odd way where you just like, oh, I'm not playing white at all, I'm just purely it. I just ended up getting plenty of blue and red cards which do enough good stuff, and those white early picks, unfortunately just don't work anymore, my deck. because three colors is just too much a risk or something.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of the, actually, the hardest things to do but it's also the most important thing to do to recognize when you're getting cut and change colors. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to tell when exactly it is that you make that switch, but the sooner you recognize it, the better. You know, or at least the, uh, and if you suspect you're getting cut, it's definitely worth picking up um, so tier 2 cards from Another colour or another guild uh, Rather than taking Cards which are just going to be dead When you're forced to come out that colour Or pair of colours anyway
0: Yeah, um, like one of my early Return from America Drafts, I first opened Tristani So I just went bullheadedly I am playing Selesnia Because I have Tristani Nothing is stopping me and you know what stopped me? The fact that I just got rubbish cards. But I was so bullheaded, I was Selesnia, I ended up with a rubbish deck and I owe 3 would Yeah. <laughs> so if you, even if you get like an amazing rare which just says, you want to be this deck, don't get blinded by that. Don't, you know, don't let the blinkers go up and you stop paying attention. Cause like I had very few cards which created tokens, less cards which populated. I, what was I doing? I was just, not paying attention, not giving myself any breathing room. I wasn't even looking for outs. I closeted myself in and then I ended up doing rubbish because of it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, another thing you've got to consider when you're looking at uh, later cards that are going around, if there's anything going around that's really obscenely powerful it's always worth considering hate drafting as well as keeping your own options open at the same time. You're potentially Making your opponent's deck weaker, you know. I mean I'm not gonna advocate hate drafting all the time, but there are times where you can justify it and if you're looking at a particularly weak uh pack of cards that's come back to you and something obscene is sitting in there, just take it out. There's no need for that to go any further. You know, just take it out. Unless of course there's there's something for you in that deck in that pack, sorry. But uh yeah, just you're helping everyone, you know.
0: Yeah, and occasionally it, it sometimes also gives you a brief room that really happens to be an adjacent color. You never know. Sometimes it yeah. works out like that. Uh, as we've been mentioning throughout, signaling is a factor. Like, this is potentially just in the first pack, but if you're, if you get handed a pack and it's just red and black cards, there's like six red and black cards. Maybe you should take that as a sign that Rakdos is a bit open. Especially if, you know, the last few cards in each of these packs are red and black, then you can kind of be aware of that. Look for signalling because sometimes signalling does crop up at the end because people just start picking up a lot of cards in their colours, or at least the colours they want to be in the first pack, to deliberately say, I am this guy on my left. You know, you don't want to be these colours I'm taking them all. And if you're seeing a lot of specific coloured cards coming late, then that's possibly a sign that the table is sort of leaving open those colours And you should potentially jump into it. And then again, this ties into the breathing room. Because if you jump into that and then it ends up being good, then you've helped yourself along the way. And if it ends up being bad, well, you know, there are last picks. You're picking, as you say, tier two cars. Maybe just cars are rubbish and thus they've went late. You're not losing out as much as if you were trying to force something from the beginning and then not paying attention to the signals.
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing to be aware of is if you get a hand passed to you and it's, you know, just red and black cards and you say, well, fair enough, I'll take a red card and you pass it on as well. The guy sitting next to you is getting the exact same signal. So if you decide to, uh, to jump into those colours, don't be surprised if you're getting cut in the second pack, but then you get the rewards in the last pack. Yeah.
0: Right. Sometimes the best way of doing something is by example. So, I have some, return to Ravnica.
1: You have some pro- you have some product, Craig? I, I do. Do I hear the sweet rustling of product? I do. Now, now
0: admittedly, I say don't open boosters unless you got a reason <laughs> for them. So I'd just like to say, A, I have eight boosters, I'm not opening them all, so I do have some left for Minimaster, which is planned for tomorrow, I do believe. Yay! Secondly I'm opening this with a purpose And thirdly I can't look at this many boosters And not go why the hell are some of them not opened yet You know they're, they're, <laughs> There's a reasonable amount of boosters you can have Sealed at any one time So Let me just open this So what I'm going to do Because we're talking about the last picks I'm going to talk about when this comes back to you So I'm going to take out what I think are the best 8 We're going to go into detail about them Because that's not the point of this we're take what's, your,
1: I, what's your rear though Craig tell us what your rear was
0: Palisade Giant. Ah, uh, Oh, oh my. Foil Guild Feud. Ooh. I kid you not. So does it matter what um colour we are from this pack? No, I, what I want to do, I'm going to take out the best eight, so Guild Feud's going to come back.
1: If we're picking cards from the cards that come back, we'd we'll, we'll not be fair to say what colour we're in. I'm thinking we
0: can just talk about what each colour or what each guild is potentially looking at or what each card is potentially doing. Yeah. Like okay. What's what, you know, what, what sort of uh deck wants these cards and where's it good and wow there's quite a lot of good stuff in this deck actually. Okay, good. Cool. Uh, all right, so taking out eight cards, so what I am left with is Armory Guard, Urban Burgeoning, Train Caracal, Common Bond, Dark Revenant, and Guildfeud. Now immediately... <laughs> Yeah, so no now immediately I'm looking at this and I'm seeing white, green, white, green and white black and red. So one thing you can pick up on is potentially there's some Selesnya Selesnya part open. Mm. Potentially. Now this does depend on what other what what else you've been seeing, obviously. You can't just look at pick nine and just go oh well Selesnya's totally open and I'm into it. Because to be honest, I've taken out three white cards.
1: Yeah, it's funny though like you say people are kind of forced to take the best cards. Yeah. The um the I suppose signalling would come into it. Of any of those best cards made it back to you?
0: True. Now let's say um Stabwood came back to you. Oh yeah, yeah, and that that screams pretty decent signals about black.
1: Yeah, I'm all over that.
0: <laughs> so let's let's try going into it potentially card by card. Um, okay. So armory guard. If you've picked up a gate, then obviously armory guard looks a lot better. Like, this may be one of the cards you, you deliberately leave because you don't have a gate to give him Vigilance. Maybe you just don't want a 2-5 Defender.
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry,
0: oh, sorry, he's not a Defender, he's a 2-5, but...
1: Yeah, he gets, gets Vigilance.
0: Yeah, he gets Vigilance, and sometimes maybe he's, you don't think he's playable enough unless he has a Vigilance. So, Armory Guard has some more allure if you've picked up a gate?
1: Yes, I suppose so.
0: Urban Burgeoning, I'm not sure <laughs> if I can say anything possible about that. Train Caracal, do you... I don't rate that highly at all.
1: Um... It's, uh... You see it getting played with Ethereal Armour slacked on it, but it's a bit too... See, even doing it that way around, that card is only good when it's been made bigger, so it's not good enough on its own, in my opinion. Like, to, like A card that combos up with other things are fine if it can stand on its own two feet, and I just don't think this can. It's like a 1-1 one, one, which dies to everything. So
0: Yeah. Now, Common Bond has a nice role in that it can make it 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 goes back to the previous argument about breaking going from two power to three power, three power to four power, breaking this barrier, common bonds one of these good cards that help turn your three threes into four fours and just they can't get killed by anything anymore. Yeah. On double blocking. It's a good card. I think it's a it's a reasonable
1: signal potentially.
0: It's something you're aware um, of.
1: Definitely, yeah. Uh Dark Revenant. Dark Revenant, mm, he's the one that makes you sacrifice a creature, isn't he? No, he's the oh, two D flyer. Oh, he's a flying
0: Yeah, two, the two D yeah. flyer for four, which keeps going on top of your library when it does. Uh,
1: I mean, it, uh.
0: I mean, when when you here, if you're in black and you don't have any flyers, it may be an idea to pick it up just so you've got defense in the air. You may you, now. I wouldn't say just because you have Dark Revenant, stop looking at flyers because you're sorted. Because I would probably say you want the Locust more... Or potentially even the Dagger Drome Imp.
1: Yeah. I right. mean, uh, are, are we comparing these cards against each other? See, like, what, which one's the best out of the pack, or are we just um, um, going to go through each one? I don't know.
0: I mean, again, this, this depends who I'm sitting at. Like, if I went through each of the guilds, then I would have different answers about what I'm taking.
1: Yeah. Well, you said the... The the rear out this pack was a palisade giant. So well, the
0: palisade the, giant and the foil guild feud we still have here, but I'm not.
1: Oh yeah, that. yeah. But the uh, so like if if you were in white at this point, yeah. We, what what does that narrow down to? Just the vigilant guy and the caracal.
0: Well, white armory guard caracal and a miscellaneous common bond.
1: Hmm. All right. Okay.
0: Now, sure. if I'm, if I'm in Azores, I'm probably taking the armory guard. If I'm a Selesnia, I'm not sure, like, common bond could potentially do a lot more work.
1: Yeah, uh, I like common bond over the, uh, the, the guard, I think. Simply because you can put it on any flyers you might have picked up and you've got that evasive damage going through, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I ideally don't want too many common bonds, but, if you need one, then you can pick one up late, because mm. it's not quite as strong as other cards. Right, should
1: we try this again? Yeah. Mister number two. What's the rear, Craig? What's the rear? Oh, he's so exciting. Slaughter games. Ugh, that's going round. <laughs> that might not actually. Could be okay. All right, let's
0: have a look-see. Okay, so pack two, what I am left with Slaughter Games, as you rightfully called, uh Treasured Find, Rights of Reaping, Tenement Crasher, Sundering Growth, and Rakdos Shred Freak. Ouch. <laughs> I mean Shred Freak isn't terrible, but I I'm less keen on it, just two isn't fantastic even on turn two sometimes. Mm-hmm.
1: Um yeah. Yeah, he's- He's not great, is he, really? He's just a bit weak, easy to kill.
0: Uh, Raktor Shredfree goes in three different guilds, it just doesn't go in Selesnya and Azorius. But yeah. it happily goes in it, Kogari, or obviously Rakdos itself. So it's a good card just for keeping yourself open. I mean, it's not Interstellar, but... So Sundering Growth, um, again, this was potentially the card I was talking about with Cyborgs. I mean, Destroy Target, artifact or Enchantment... I mean, there's quite a lot of enchantments actually going about, but sometimes you don't even care if you destroy them or not. You can get rid of them just by killing the creature it's on. And then populating, yeah, you like to populate, but you do actually have to destroy an artifact or enchantment. So this is a good sideboard card.
1: Yeah, definitely, and a- yeah.
0: And again, it's reasonably open insofar as the hybrid mana, so it goes in three different guilds. Tenement Crasher, sometimes you just need, like, a top-end creature, like a expensive beater, out
1: of interest, would you splash a tenement crasher? Um, he's right, just so one red, isn't he? So if I'm, if I'm
0: splashing, I'm in Azorus, or I'm in...
1: Not necessarily. You could be in any or colour, there, there, just I'd have a sp- couple I'd of splash mentioned. the
0: red for tenement crasher. If you needed a big guy? I don't think so. Actually, I don't know why, though. I mean, a 5-4 for four, 6 of haste isn't terrible, is it? Yeah, no, that's alright. I mean, he survives quite a lot of things. This isn't like a minotaur aggressor. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should give Tenement Crasher more of a look. It's just a matter of where where am I playing six drops? I suppose. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: He's not actually a bad card now that I have a good look at him.
1: Yeah, he just looks big and stupid, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, but actually, if a four on defense is <laughs> nothing to be sniffed at. Um, rights are reaping. It's expensive. Sometimes removal. Yeah. At sorcery speed. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's removal, but I wouldn't call that a massive signal because. It's not the greatest, it's slow, it's expensive, Yeah. yeah. Um, treasured Find? Uh,
1: that's it's the can- one where you, where you, do you get things at the graveyard. Yeah, yeah, this
0: is where you get a target card from graveyard to hand. I mean that, that is another cyborg card. Yeah. Cause if they're milling you, if that's their strategy, or somehow they're causing you to dump some, like, if they cancel something and get something in the graveyard, you didn't actually want the graveyard, this can get it back.
1: Yeah, I suppose there is kind of a way of building Golgari where you self-mill to a certain extent. We're well, not self-milling, but there, what's the one 2 mana spell dumps load of cards in your graveyard and you get one to your hand? Grizzly Salvage. Grizzly Salvage, yeah. So you could be playing that kind of Golgari deck and your graveyard fills up quite quickly, you know, so you may be able to get some value treasure to find with it.
0: Yeah. And um finally, Slaughter Games, which, again... It's a cyborg card. I mean, if there's something you just cannot deal with, this deals with it.
1: Yeah. You have to name the card for it, don't you?
0: Yes, you have to name an online card, and then you search Graveyard Hand and Library for all the cards and exiling them. I mean, sometimes this just deals with a thing you can't otherwise deal with. So again, this is another good cyborg card.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you just uh, put it in your main deck, and then whatever deck you're playing against, you just name whatever premium removal's available to them, You know, I name Trustani's Judgment, I name Arrest, I name... I think I... Splatterthug. I think I did run a...
0: Was it Slaughter Games recently? It was something which certainly named... It was either Slaughter Games or Piffing Needle, and I certainly played one of those recently, and I was looking around the room to work out what I was going to name against (laughs) each player.
1: Oh, yeah, that was last Friday, I think, yeah, because I remember you writing down the... Palace Giant. I think it was two weeks ago, but yeah, I think yeah, I think I was running slaughter games
0: or. Nah, that sounds right. Yeah, it was slaughter games. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a good cyborg card. It's just it's nothing you're picking up early because if you don't if you can't if you don't know what the target is, it's a bit it's a bit rubbish. I
1: so don't know if, what? Sometimes just you it, just draw blank. Educated guess, Craig, Educated guess. True. <laughs>
0: if, if you know they've listened to this podcast, you know the top two cards in at least each guild to name. So. Yeah. Shall we carry on? I, mean, there's, I there's, think, so, I there's think more, so, There's more boosters here. Who knows what's inside? I'm going to cut my head on these. These are sharp. Oh, I got a foil. Ooh! There's nothing interesting. It's a search warrant. Wow. Oh, and the rare is also not interesting. It's a rest in peace. See, nice. this is why you don't have open boosters, you play Minimaster. Master... Right, down to our last six. So um Bellows Blizzard. Mm It's <laughs> a yeah, so one one for one, it's I think it's just a curve filler and sometimes you just need a one drop. And it can yeah. it can do some extra work if you got the spare mana it can kill something bigger.
1: I don't think I've ever played a bellows Blizzard, Craig. Ever. I don't like that. Eh? I, I'm not sure if I have
0: either. I think maybe once. I mean, sometimes it can just block. Some, I mean, it's one mana to block a creature once. Maybe that's good enough. Hmm. Mind rot. Ooh, I like that. I Like mind rot. It's yeah, again, cyber cards is where you see them, and this is where you should be paying attention. It can hmm. just, you can just deal with things you otherwise can't deal with because you just get them to the graveyard before you have to bash it.
1: Yeah, you're putting rock essence shatter. Not essence shatter. What's it called? Essence backlash. If he's running that, mind rot's your man.
0: <laughs> that is true. Um, foily search warrant. Ooh, that's coming round. Yeah, that's that's coming round, and it's uh, no, I spoke about that last show. Mm. Uh, seek the horizon. Search the library for three basic plans. This can be good if you're into the ramp. This is potentially a curve filler.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I see that one as more of a a deck thinner <laughs> than a than a curve filler. It's not that's it's not a one I've never really played. Uh, Vandal Blast.
0: Again, another definition of a cyborg card. I mean, if they're not playing artifacts, it's useless. If they are playing artifacts, boom.
1: If they are playing the artifacts, it's probably useless too.
0: <laughs> they could and be the Gogari have all the key runes, ramp up to something big deck.
1: I suppose so, but is it worth having one card that could potentially be dead at some point in your hand? For it? I mean, I don't know. I can't think of a, an artifact I'd really want dead that much. I can't even think of a rare art. Is there even a rare artifact that you'd want to kill? Piffing Needle. Meh. Nah.
0: Uh, chromatic Lantern. Meh. Nah. Yeah, okay. Uh And then finally, a rare Rest in Peace. Woo! I like Rest in Peace. Yes, I mean, again. Again, that's anti-Gogari, full stop. Yeah. I think we've potentially given that a good looking into, unless you want to... Yeah, I suppose so. I got another booster, but do we really want to go...
1: Oh, I don't think so. I don't think we need to go through all the... The g- the gas cards and say you know
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're not all, all rubbish. Some of them just have a very specific purpose.
1: Yeah, this is true. This is true. So, do we have a final
0: thought to wrap this up? Um, the last picks in the pack are can be more important than the first picks because you're just sort of following a path with your first picks, and the last picks you're going into the wilderness, and you know, yeah, this, this is where your hunter gatherer instincts need to come into play.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the thing to point to note from this, as well as what you were doing, Craig, taking out the best cards, when you first open your pack and you go, oh wow, I just got a terrace worm or whatever, boom, swam that. Take time to look at the rest of the pack and do that little count, what's the top, what are the eight best cards and see what comes back to you. You know, if one of those best cards come back to you, it's a pretty good sign that that, that might be available to you in the future. Yeah, right. I think we're done. Yeah, we can move on to pop quiz. Oh, Craig, you didn't do that in our deep voice. Pop quiz. Yeah, that's the pop quiz we know and love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you
0: have a crasher for me, good sir?
1: I certainly do, sir. Okay, dokes. Okay, Craig. Yes, sir. <laughs> what is? The most printed non-land card in the game.
0: So for all nineteen slash twenty years of Magic history. Yep. The most printed card by physical cards printed, or just it's seen it's been printed the most times in different sets.
1: Physical cards. I don't know about online. Um, because
0: I think the card which has been printed in most sets would be Giant Spider. Mm. -hmm. So non-land card which has been printed the most and. Core sets get a decent print run.
1: And, and this is including, this is including promo cards.
0: But I don't think Giant Spider's ever had a promo card. So the only thing I can think of, what, what is, I mean, this is this all your traditional, like,
1: hm.
0: No, I want to say Giant Spider, because I, I think that's the card which has been in the most sets, it's been in core sets. I, I think Giant Spider's my man, or G- insect.
1: <laughs> it, it legged like friend. Indeed. The uh, You're pretty close, actually. The most printed card, and this is... that The figure was as, as of um, earlier in the year. I think it's been printed two more times since then. But was giant, no, no. giant Growth. Oh, Giant Growth. Yep. Now, ah. it was printed 23 times. And uh, this was from earlier in the year. But I think... I think Giant Growth made an appearance in Corset, didn't it? Was it? Giant or Titanic? Oh, it might have been Titanic, well, in, case, in which case it's been printed 24 times in, because it's, it's in Ravnica, isn't it, Return to Ravnica?
0: It definitely is, with yeah. very pretty artwork.
1: Yay! So that is the answer, Craig. Oh. It's, it's the uh, the most printed card. Do you know what the most printed land card, or the most printed card in history, including lands?
0: Well, you've given you away its land. Um... I will guess, just because it tends to be a favourite island.
1: Nah. The most printed land was Mountain. Oh. Because uh... it kind of accidentally got printed in the Arabian Nights and no other lands were printed. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't meant to be. There wasn't meant to be lands printed, apparently.
0: I thought you were going to say something to do with the dual decks. There's been a lot of model red dual deck decks <laughs> and... Uh, other colours haven't been so favoured.
1: Yeah. So do they get special lands or do they just not get land from corsets? Uh they
0: they don't get like new the new artwork for the lands, but they get artwork <laughs> from all over the place.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. That's my interesting uh pop quiz for you, Craig. Have you got one in return? Um I do not,
0: unfortunately. Oh, Craig there was a question I, I worked out the answer to Before the show started But asking ah. it would be a bit of a cheat
1: Yeah I, 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 I heard you speaking about that And I'm, I couldn't answer it anyway
0: Let's move on to Personal topic um, It's very brief uh, I wanted to keep the show brief and um, Even though I said well, We both said last week we probably weren't going to play any magic um, I ended up going and playing In a tournament this weekend Ooh. Um, so um, yeah, I I wasn't expecting to be doing this, and it I it, it was weird. I ended up playing almost mono blue, with the exception of one green card. Ooh. Um, saying mono blue isn't exactly particularly a strong deck. I ended up only going two and two. Mm-hmm. However, as part of it, I did beat the winner, of PTQ Dundee. So I get some kudos for that, right? I suppose so. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it was, I, I was playing a weird deck. I had like, 0-1s, which when you attack become 1-1s, one and when they die they become
1: 1-1 one one tokens. Alright. Eh? Uh, hey, what are you talking about, Green?
0: And, uh, I had, what was it, the 8-drop, the, the which can come out as a 4-drop and hits for 8 and then comes back to your hand. Mm-hmm.
1: Was it a cube, your playing? No. This was a, this was sealed actually. Ravnica?
0: No. What were you playing? <laughs> the WoW TCG. <laughs> oh my god! I know, I know. My my wife is uh, a certified judge for it, and she needed players for her tournament, so I ended up playing, even though I really, <laughs> I haven't played that in like a year, two years. I didn't know anything about the set, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd question when I said I was playing Mono Blue. Meaning alliance, but anyways. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, back on to the magic. Um, what I did get was two holiday gift boxes. So, um, I think I mentioned them before, but they're boxes which can hold 2,000 cards. Inside, you get four Return to Radical boosters, two of which I've just opened on the show. There's a alternate art version of Dreg Mangler, also foily, and 20 basic lands, because... You can never have enough basic lands. And they're pretty cool. They look good. They're quite sturdy. I mean, I've put, um, I've actually filled one up and it's reasonably heavy, but it's pretty sturdy. You know, I quite like them.
1: Yeah. They look yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, it's basically you're buying a box, aren't you, for your cards? Yeah. I mean,
0: it's a, it's a few, you're, you're spending a few quid for the box itself, but you know, you're, you're getting a reasonable, Deal for your money, and also it's got these really nice solid uh card dividers, which I like because I don't know, but some deck boxes come with the plasticky dividers.
1: I quite like those. I just think they're not big
0: enough; they don't stick up stick up enough above the cards. Well, these ones are solid plastic as opposed to the sort of bendy plastic, and they are actually bigger. Yeah. So, m- maybe I'll show you uh tomorrow, but yeah, they're they're quite nice. They're really sturdy, and they've got their artwork of different Ravnica lands. Yeah. So there's there's one of each color, but then there's one which just seems to be generic Raptica. I'm not quite sure. I think these are all. I don't think these are artwork from cards, or these cards we haven't seen yet, but they look pretty cool. Honestly, yeah. they're they're pretty solid. Um, what else did I get? I also got myself a nice soft binder with Jason and Mizzus on it to store some of my rares, because I'm thinking I may just keep some of my uh, rares separate now. Talking again how uh, how to organize a collection, I think I may just take my rares out just so I've got them at hand.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was, I've always done that, like, had my rares in a binder and kept my commons and uncommons loose. But, uh, yeah, certainly having them in your, like, available to you if you need to trade for stuff is good. You know? Yeah. I know you're a, a bit of a collector, Craig, and you like having your, like, making sure you've got one of everything.
0: Yeah, I, in some ways it's also good because if I just lay out the rares where there's gaps, I can tell where I don't have cards.
1: Oh, I see, so you can go collector numbers, uh, organised.
0: Yeah, I can organise them by collector number, and then if there's a gap, I can go, oh, what's meant to go there? Oh, Desecration Demon. Well, I need one of those, so. Yeah,
1: I that. mean, would you trade... uh Say you've got your 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 uh, rares in your folder, and somebody says, oh, I've not got a Vraska, and you're like, well, I've got Vraska, but I've only got one of them. What would it take for you to part with it? Do you know what I mean? Like, if they offered you... Six other cards Of equal value Which you don't have Would you trade? So if I had a
0: Raska and they were offering me six cards Equal to the value of Raska
1: Yeah, which you don't have
0: Or each equal to Raska's value In which case I'm getting six times
1: No, no, some total some total is equal to Raska
0: I I don't know It depends how much I want them Because, I mean, some of the cards I want to fill out for my collection are rubbish cards Which I don't I want them merely to fill out the collection and then some aren't so much. So I don't know. I mean, I did recently trade my only vexing devil for a card, which I didn't have. Oh. But that was a rare for a mythic. So, I mean, I didn't feel it was too bad because I'm more likely to see the vexing devil again just because it is a rare rather than a mythic. But.
1: Yeah. Where do you stand on trading for value anyway? I mean, do you, do you, will you always check value of a card before you trade? Or will you, um, well, just trade I mean, for cards you like or want?
0: I mean, in this particular case, um, I was offered the Mythic, and then I suggested some rares which I thought were of roughly equal value. Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, I somewhat pay attention, but I'm not a massive stickler. Like, you know, if there's some discrepancy, like if I lose a little bit or I, I gain a little bit, Uh eh, I mean, as I say, mostly I'm a collector, and I don't terribly do many trades because I'm so hung up on my
1: cards, so... yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just because I mean the way I usually work it in my head is if I want something I'm happy to trade over and above the value, kind of like if I'm looking at their collection and I say oh man I really need that, whatever it is I really need that guild feud you know, that that would look great in my collection (laughs) and they're like I don't really want to trade my guild feud, I'm really attached to it then I'm quite happy to trade like over value to get it, but like I think if it's somebody coming to me and looking at my folder and saying, yes, Steve, I want, I really want your, I don't know, your, your force of will. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of attached to that. I kind of want more. Does that make sense? I, I'm not, I wouldn't be happy just to trade for a bunch of cards equal to the value of it. Only like four or five cards which are the same value. I'd want. I'd want something for it. I'd want it to be profiting in some way because, you know, I could just go and buy another one if I really wanted to, you know. So but, do you
0: think the power in these negotiations lie on the person who's, who the cards are being requested from?
1: Yeah, because quite often you, you come into a, a trade and you're sort of like, well, I want that. And he's like, well, I want that. What, what are they like. And they're sort of roughly the same value. And you're just like, ah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But uh, other times, I mean, cause, that's what one thing. I, don't, I haven't got, like, a separate trades folder. I've just got a folder with my rares in it. So not all of those rares are for trade all the time. Yeah. And people can get quite frustrated looking through my folder going, what about that one? Nah. What about that one? Nah. What about that one? Nah. <laughs> you know. But, uh, so quite often there's cards I'm, uh, that I'm looking to keep a hold of because there's maybe a deck I've got in mind or something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I... I mean, it sounds really mercenary wanting to gain on a trade, but I, I think, you know, I think it's fair enough. You know, that you have to give a little if, if you want something of me, which I'm not, which I'm not happy about trading in the first place. You know? <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. Or am I just, am I, am I, am I, am I a bad person, Craig? <laughs> uh, it, it would, it would clearly depend on how
0: far you take this.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, you get the, have you heard of Packed Power? Sorry, have I heard of? Packed Power people do this. No. That, see, this is where a lot of the, you know, value traders... I mean, well, you, see. You've got the... The, the pact to power thing I'll explain first was, a, I believe it was just a web article that started... And I can't remember the guy that did it, but what he did was he started off by buying one booster pack and he recorded what he had in that booster pack, and then he made trades, and each time he made a trade with the cards from that pack, he... Aimed to profit on each trade in value terms. And I think he got a bit of help from like friends and things donating things to his packed power uh, mission. But the end result was he was able to buy a piece of the power nine from it, from his booster pack and profit on every trade. Right. And, uh, and off the back of this, you've got what you call value traders who will know the value. Like, There'll be some in your local game shop, or anybody, everybody's game shop will have one. Somebody who looks to make a profit on every single trade, and effectively profit off their friends. And I think that kind of gets frowned upon slightly by the community in general. Kind of always looking to make a wee profit each time. But that's not where I'm at. I'm talking about just if you want something that I'm, uh, you know, I don't want to give up. <laughs> you know, something I'm attached to.
0: That makes sense. I mean, I mean, attachment does increase the value of something, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get people as well who who. Now, they're usually people who don't buy cards, like individual cards. They like they buy boosters, to trade, but they don't like go online and buy play sets of things for decks and things. But and they're quite happy just to say well, I want that card, you want that card, let's trade the pieces of cardboard. This booster pack cost me £3.50, so there's nothing in it which is worth more than £3.50 to me. Yeah. You know, and they're quite happy to trade one piece of cardboard for another piece of cardboard. But uh, what tends to happen is those guys don't keep that attitude long for long because they find they're getting ripped off by all the value traders. (laughs) Yeah. We we, we
0: always end up coming up with uh, topics where... There are bad people in the world, and you need to be wary of them. Yeah, really. It's it's
1: just me, Craig. It's my cynical
0: ways. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's end the cynicalness and end the show, and move into our conclusion. So, thank you to the listeners for listening as always. Uh, We continue to get feedback, which I'm very happy with. Unfortunately, we got some slightly late feedback this week. Somebody got back to about a mechanic I could put in my set. Unfortunately, slightly beyond the um, deadline, but Also, talking to people on Twitter. If you want to chat to me on Twitter, feel free. Just send me a message. I will respond, assuming I can actually respond to it. It's not just like, you're fantastic. We are fantastic, right? (laughs) Yay, of course we are. Yay. So, if you want to get in touch with us, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you can contact us on Tumblr, on Facebook, on Gmail, and, yes, I am on Twitter. Yours for this week were me, Craig, and you, Steve. That's me. The intro and outro music is by Kevin MacLeod. The name of the song is The Cannery, and it is order-free music licensed under the Creative Commons by Interpretation 3.0. In
1: the news this week, there were
0: two Grand Prix last weekend. Grand Prix Nagoya in Japan, which was standard format, and Grand Prix Toronto in Canada, which was the modern format. Yuji Okita, oh god, it's gone.
1: (laughs) Stinger anyone, stinger?
0: Yeah, (laughs) should well be.
1: God, that's close, I nearly (sighs) dropped a dispel in my juice. Oh.
0: What happens when you drop a dispel in your juice? Does does it go away? Is juice instant? Uh,
1: The dispel goes away anyway.
0: (laughs) 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 Juice dispels dispel, okay. It does. Hmm. That's your actual stinger.